0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Nursing Uncharted. This is your host, Maggie Reichardt here, and thank you so much for coming back and listening to us today. Welcome, newcomers, and thanks for coming back, oldcomers. This podcast is about introducing nurses to all the different ways that we can use our nursing license, whether you're a new grad trying to figure out what you want to do, or you're an old grad burned out where you're at and you want to try something new. We talk about it all on here, you know, inpatient, outpatient, clinics, procedural areas. We talk about some remote jobs. We talk about it all if you're interested in hearing about a specific avenue of nursing dm us on instagram at nursing uncharted i'd love to hear what you guys want to listen to and try and find some good ambassadors uh for those fields to talk to speaking of which we have a great topic today that i know so many people are interested in or think about doing when they get started in nursing and that is neonatal icu nursing nicu nursing and we have an excellent ambassador for the NICU today. So I'm excited to delve into this because she's a wealth of knowledge and loves her job and these babies. And her name is Tiffany Nguyen. So Tiffany also known as at NICU nurse Tiff is a nurse working in the neonatal ICU for almost six years. She created her YouTube channel and Instagram platform at the beginning of the pandemic to share her love of nursing, teaching, and the NICU selling over 400 plus copies of her NICU resource guidebook called The Itty Bitty Guide to NICU and helping dozens of nurses land their dream jobs through her mentor sessions. Her goal is to continue to use social media to share more about this unique specialty and encourages others to go out there and chase their passion and their new dream specialties. So Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you so
1: much for having me. Thank you, Maggie. And Yes, my name is Tiffany, and um, I'm known as at Nikki Tiff on Instagram, as well as on YouTube. Check out my YouTube channel. I do have a TikTok as well. I'll to dive into that a little bit,
0: but yes. I'm mostly
1: active on my Instagram. So feel free to DM me if you have questions about NICU, but this is my passion, and I'd love to share more.
0: I'm so happy to have you on today. I'm always looking for people that, you know, love their position and and are passionate in their job. So you are just a gold mine here for the NICU. Yay. I'm so excited you chose me yeah. as the ambassador. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into it. Did you always know you wanted to be a NICU nurse or was it something you wanted to try and then just ended up staying with it? So,
1: when I went to nursing school, the first thing I thought in my head was I wanted to do pediatrics. And so Mm. I just knew I wanted to work with kids. I'm the oldest of three and the oldest of almost all my cousins. I just have a few um, older cousins than me, but everyone else is pretty much younger than me. So I grew up taking care of other people. And Mm. it was just one of those things where I knew I wanted to work with kids. And that's all I knew. I just wanted to do pediatrics. And then it wasn't until my maternity rotation, which was in my third year of nursing school, and we got the opportunity to do our maternity rotation where we went to L&D, and we also did postpartum, and then we did NICU. So I only had two days in it, and it wasn't like I got to do a lot. I just got an opportunity to hold babies and pretty much observe the entire time, but I just felt some innate connection to these babies, and I wanted to help them, especially due to the fact that they can't talk or speak. And... You know, advocate for themselves. So I wanted to help them. And I got lucky enough where in my senior year, my last semester, we got to choose an opportunity and shadow in a specific unit. And I chose mine in the NICU. And then it was from then on that I knew this is exactly what I want to do with the rest of my career. And here I am. That's amazing.
0: I'm glad that they allow nursing students in, in the NICU at like, just, just for like, a you know, holding babies and observing, like that's yeah. so important. Yeah, we got really lucky though. It's not
1: one of those things that is um, an opportunity for everyone. So we just got extremely lucky.
0: Yeah. So did you, um, you did a kind of like a, not a didactic, but like a, you know, like post did an externship. Yeah. So, yeah, we called
1: ours our senior preceptorship where we get to choose a unit that we wanted to specialize in. um, And so I didn't mind the NICU.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, that's awesome. And then here you are six years later. Yeah, six years later, still (laughs) loving it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about some of the Patient population. I've always been adults. I would, I mean, I've, I love kids, but I just never, I've never delved into it. So I'm super excited to learn, you know, all about the baby populations. What kind of populations do you see? Like what things will land babies in the NICU?
1: So we have babies coming in typically for prematurity is the most common reason Why babies get admitted to the NICU. So we have some babies. um, The smallest baby we've ever taken care of was a 22-weeker. And yeah, so they were so tiny. Literally the size of my hand. And it was just amazing to see how small they could be. And grow up to be full-fledged infants and eating, and they get to go home. So it's pretty amazing. Um, But that's really the most common reasons why babies get admitted to NICU. Other reasons too is more for observation, or we do more um, intense uh, lab work just to check diagnostics, things like that. So we have babies coming in for genetic reasons. We do cardiac monitoring. Mostly babies come in for respiratory issues. They have some difficulty Mm -hmm. breathing. We try to put them on oxygen support and see what else they may need um, and hopefully wean them off of it eventually. And we have some babies coming in for really just more short-term monitoring like glucose instability. Hopefully we get them stable enough. And we also have some patients too that come in for like phototherapy. So we have a whole wide range of patients that come in, but the most common definitely has to be prematurity for sure.
0: What do, once babies leave the are born and leave the hospital, do they come? Would they come back into the NICU or would they be a PICU? Yeah, they'd be a PICU. you. Yeah.
1: So typically, okay. we hold babies up until the maximum baby i ever taken care of was a year, um, and that's corrected gestational age. Also, oh, yeah. so you have to consider the fact that a lot of times these babies oh. are born very early. So a year for them is a little bit different. Um, but typically, that's usually the most we ever go. And then once they get too big for our unit, then they leave and go to the NICU.
0: Gotcha. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine being in that, like being born and then just the, your whole there, yeah like life mm-hmm. being in the in the NICU. What actually, you said um, gestational, I mean, not gestational, like blood sugar, you know, um, abnormalities. Do you see a lot of like elevated blood sugars in babies or lower?
1: Typically, we have babies coming in for lower blood sugars. Um, Moms with gestational diabetes will come in. I see. Um, And so when they're born, that high amount of insulin in mom drops and babies come in with very, or they... Babies maintain that high level of insulin when they're born from mom. And Mm -hmm. then they come out having very low sugar levels. And so they come into NICU. We help to stabilize them, give them IV fluids with sugar in it. And then typically from there, hopefully they are able to stabilize and we get them to eat as well. So the combination of both sometimes helps.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I'm also – I – Mentioned it on a few podcasts back, but I'm currently pregnant. I'm like seventeen weeks. Congratulations! Thank you. So I'm also like you know gathering information for for my own knowledge too. Like, what are things that I should be like looking for? So prenatal
1: care, of course, is very important. And so going to your appointments, taking the necessary vitamins, especially folic acid. We do have babies that come in. Um, where sometimes mom isn't able to have prenatal care, doesn't have access to it depending on where she lives. Mm -hmm. And so we do have some babies that lack that folic acid come out with abnormalities, so having Mm -hmm. some neural tube defects. And so that's really important for moms to be able to have that prenatal care if they are able to in their surrounding areas. Um, But that's one of the most important things, just taking care of yourself, your health, um, is super important, and taking your vitamins, getting follow up checkups, and things like that.
0: Yeah, that is so important. Are those patients generally the ones that you see for longer? Like, what will keep what will keep a baby in the NICU for you know like a gestational year?
1: Yeah, so we have babies. Prematurity, like I mentioned, is the most common reason why babies stay for a yeah. long period of time. Um, they're just born early, so they need to grow bigger, okay. learn to breathe, things like that. But another one that's super common also is um, babies coming in with cardiac defects. And so mm-hmm. they may stay for some time just to grow bigger to do their surgeries. And so gotcha, they will gotcha. okay. stay for an extended period of time until they're big enough. And then they'll have their surgery and they stay, do a recovery period also. So that may take some time and then they can go home.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I do. I, I had a friend who had, I think Tetralogy of Fallot, mm-hmm. maybe, or maybe patent foramen ovale. Mm, I can't remember. I think that he had a hole in his septum, Let's like see. one of the septums, I think. And I think he was like in the, in the NICU for three months or so, and then Mm -hmm. had his cardiac surgery and was finally able to come home. It's just wild. I'm sure you have to have a lot of really good, um, you know, rapport with parents. I'm sure that's probably one of the biggest things too. Oh, yes
1: so i tell people if they are interested in wanting to join this specialty just remember it is not taking care of just babies as awesome as it is and the biggest part of it of course is taking care of the patient it is also very family centered like any other unit but here it's a little different because we do have parents who you know they're very anxious very scared very nervous which is all extremely reasonable to feel that way you know having to see your baby in the NICU in this intense environment is very, very stressful. So, I mean, I do not have children of my own, but I cannot imagine having to witness that. And so it's just one of those things where you have to have a lot of compassion for these families. And to me, no family is ever considered a difficult family. It's all about sitting down, understanding where they're coming from, listening to their stories, and so I've, I've never dealt with any difficult family situation and I, I have a lot of fun. And the best thing about NICU is that we take care of these babies for a while, some of these babies. And so yeah. we do have opportunities to primary nurse some of these babies where we kind of follow them on their journey. And we assign to these patients or we can sign up to be um, their primary nurse and we follow them throughout their journey until they go home. So we have some nurses who follow babies for that entire year that they're there. Um, and right now I do wow. currently primary patient and it's what really actually connected me to this patient was the families. Um, the parents were absolutely the yeah. sweetest and their first baby. So they were very, very anxious. And I felt that, yeah. you know, because I know this world so much and this is completely brand new to them, that having someone to be there to support and guide them and share with them what is normal and typical things we see all the time that we are not afraid of. Can help ease them a lot so that's why it's just one of those things that we are fortunate enough to have primary nursing and that's why i love doing it yeah
0: that's a really um interesting difference between nicu and and picu too and the adult world is that a lot of family members you know they're chronic issues mm-hmm. like you you know they've come in and they've been the advocate for this person before or you know but like in the nicu it's all fresh it's all, you know, they've never been in this right. situation before, mm-hmm. like with their babies. And so, I mean, I feel like the education piece is probably so important for you guys too. Oh, yes, you know, I mean, there's just so much to learn there. Um, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Education definitely takes
1: up a biggest portion of what we do as well. So it's, It's not just doing the patient care, going home type of situation. It's really connecting with families, doing the education, the teaching, reinforcing the education and teaching because, you know, we're all learning and they're learning. And so it's nice to be a part of that journey and really taking one step at a time is a huge milestone for these babies. So having the parents be involved as much as possible is kind of the whole purpose and our roles is getting them involved. Yeah. Right.
0: Right i mean i know it's also like you said like reiterating information i mean when you're going through something traumatic like things just just completely like pass by you right, you know right. when you're like getting information in it's like only a selective amount so it's like you know you could be thinking like oh i just told them this like yesterday right. but, but it just goes, so goes in one way out have... the other sometimes you know especially with all the <laughs> yeah. information we give all this
1: terminology right. new things I mean, I probably would be overwhelmed and stressed as well. So I understand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, just, just, and it's funny, like as, as nurses, you think that we would be like exempt from that kind of like, you know, stress, Mm -hmm. but like, even in my own, like just in my own, like OB appointments too, I'm like, I like, I can't remember what they said or like, they, you know, they like, it's, you get a wealth of an influx of information right you know, at you at once and so like yeah that happened to me recently where i was like oh i didn't i like forgot that they said that or or you know it's it's just definitely a process of the nurse's role is so important there, just like reiterating information and like continuous education oh yeah for sure We'll be right back to our interview. Grab a cup of coffee, but don't go anywhere because we want to talk to you about our podcast partner, American Mobile. No matter your specialty, American Mobile has endless travel nursing opportunities. With the largest clinical team of all staffing agencies, American Mobile is ready to support you in achieving your career goals. To learn more about the benefits of American Mobile, like higher earning potential, premium health coverage, and 401k matching, Make sure to visit AmericanMobile.com to speak with a recruiter. Again, visit AmericanMobile.com to discover your next travel nursing adventure. Now back to the show. Well, walk me through a typical day on the unit. So you have your primary baby. Do you have, um, how many babies will you have at one time? So typically in the NICU, at least, um, where I'm at
1: is the most we can ever get is three patients. So we'll get three babies to one nurse. So um, that is as much as we can get, or at least as much as I have been able to get. And... Um, the most common though is usually two babies to one nurse, okay. and uh, so that's very typical, and we'll see that a lot. And it really all just depends on the acuity level. We have some patients that are extremely, extremely sick, so those babies will be more one to one, where they need one on one monitoring. Mm. Um, but yeah, so right now I do primary one patient, and a lot of times that baby is assigned to another patient, so I have two. Uh, most of the time unless I am caring for a patient that's extremely critical and has a lot of IV lines and intubated and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, typically two babies is the most common.
0: Okay. Okay. So walk me through like what, yeah, typical day start to finish. Do you do 12-hour shifts? I do. I do 12-hour shifts. Um, I also do
1: kind of like a rotation. So I do day shifts and I do night shifts. And so I, it's nice because I get to see both sides to things. Um, as a new grad also, I was kind of rotating a little bit as mm-hmm. well where I did my orientation most of it on days and the second half all of it on nights. So I got to see the differences and there's definitely huge differences between the two. Um, my day shift schedule is typically, you know, I start my shift at 7 a.m. So I'm not a morning person. Waking up early is a little <laughs> bit challenging for me, um, but, yeah, typically, start of shift starts at seven. We give our handoff report and get information on our patients, um, and then typically the first thing I do is I go into my patient rooms, whether parents are in there or not. I introduce myself to them. And in the NICU, we wipe down every single surface that we touch, high-touch areas. Mm. Preventing infection is super important in the NICU because these babies are... Basically, we consider them immunocompromised in a way. They can get sick very easily, so we wipe down all our surfaces. And in that meantime, while I'm doing that, I kind of observe my surroundings and see what I need. Um, One thing I've learned and one thing I share with all my new grads is kind of prepping yourself for success at the beginning of your shift by gathering all your supplies. I think that is one thing that I've learned and a habit that I keep with me every time I do my shift is setting myself up for success, grabbing all the necessary supplies. So I will go around and observe my surroundings, see what I need, like diapers and baby wipes, getting oral syringes for feeds, anything like that. And yeah. just prepping it in my mind. And that way, when I go to the supply room, I grab all my stuff. So once I'm in the room and I'm doing my assessment, I am ready to go. I have everything I need. And that's just one thing that I feel like that helps with time management a lot. As a sure. grad, there's times where you forget stuff and you're running back and forth, back and forth. And that way wastes a lot of time and with NINICU especially if you have three patients time management is key so gathering the things you need at the beginning is super important but yeah usually I'll do that and check on all my medications that are due for the shift so I have a brain sheet that I'll write everything down see what else I need to do for the rest of my shift like any diagnostic tests like x-rays or Mm -hmm. any blood gases I need to do for the day write it all out um and then I kind of get started with my assessment. So in the NICU, we kind of time our patients. And as bad as that may sound, it helps with time management a lot to know what patient we should do first. So yeah. usually I'll start my patient, one of my patients at eight, then I do my next one at nine. And that helps with our feeding schedules too, cause babies okay. eat every three hours. So we just do like a consistent schedule with them. So my eight o'clock baby would be eight, 11, two and five. My nine o'clock baby would be nine, 12, three and six. So you see that schedule is already played out in my head and I already know what the plan of care is for the day for each patient. This is what I'm gonna be going in, doing my assessments, my feeds and my cares and all that. And so it also helps us when we discuss with team members also the times we're going in for the patients that way they can come in. We love to group our care. coordinating our care with other team members and so they will come in during a time we are assessing them and they will do their assessments and we discuss the plan of care for the patient Um, and then they do their roundings so they come around and we discuss any changes anything that we want to change um, for the plan of care for today things like that and then it it can be a routine thing too because as you can see my schedule is routine every three hours I go in for the patient and do Pretty much the same thing, assessment, cares, feeds, and stuff like that. But things can happen, you know. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where you plan for a certain schedule to be a certain way and something comes up. And I have an x-ray coming in out of nowhere and they want to make order changes out of nowhere. And so I have to accommodate for all those things. But that's kind of day shift. We do a lot of off-unit procedures during day shift as well. So planning for surgeries in the morning, taking kids to go to MRI, Mm -hmm. CT scans, things like that. So day shift can be a little bit more hectic in a way that yeah. there's just a lot of people, um, a lot of off-unit procedures, things going on. Um, but day uh, day shift is a little bit different than nights because nights can be a little bit more mellow. Where mm-hmm. I and what I mean by that is just less people on the unit in general. Like yeah. everyone is usually gone by then, <laughs> yeah. and so it's a little bit more quiet. Um, the routine is still there though. We still yeah. have our every three hour. Cares, but it can be a little bit different at the beginning of shift I feel like night shift at the beginning is always a little bit busier for me because um, typically on nights we do baths weights and um, mm. changing of linen and things like that so it can get a little busy especially if you have three patients and if they're all due for baths that night then you are running around like crazy at the beginning but then the rest of the night can start to mellow out a little bit and of course like every shift things can happen things can change things like that but most of the time, it can be a pretty repetitive thing. So, yeah. ICU is great in that way. And I feel like NICU especially is great in a sense that we do have critical moments where Mm -hmm. things can get a little hectic crazy busy but we do have stable moments as well a little bit more chill days Mm -hmm. and so I kind of thrive in those kind of environments where it's not crazy busy 24 7 because I don't think I do well in that so if you are one of those people that consider ICU but are very hesitant nervous about just that critical care constantly um at least in NICU it is not one of those cases where it is all the time but um if you want to do ICU and you're hesitant about that, I think NICU is probably a great place to start out. And of course, it is an ICU in a way as well. So you do have to prepare for those crazy days um, Mm -hmm. and caring for extremely sick patients. But there are days where we do have some pretty cool moments and we get to hold babies and walk around the unit. And
0: so it's always a great time. That's a nice balance, I think. Yeah for sure. Having like a little bit, you know, more stable where you can, you know, having like these sweet moments and then also very critical patients. It's, yeah. it's kind of the same in adult ICUs too. I mean, you have, you have, um, stably unstable patients. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I like, or, we <laughs> use that term as well. Stable oh, you do? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stably unstable. Yeah. Like, you know, you have, you have patients that maybe are just like waiting for a bed on the, on mm-hmm. the, you know acute care floor or or you have your sleeper and like you can kind of gauge where you want that you know where you want your your uh, day to go just based on you know what you're ready to to have for that day yeah. so if you're a new nurse you know like sometimes and like charge nurses and stuff will will kind of keep that in mind if you're a new nurse they start you off with like more you know stable stable patients, patients yeah they typically
1: can... try to um, as you're starting out, give you get your feet a little wet, <laughs> and not yeah. kind of throw you into it. So we do try to give
0: more stable patients to our new grads. Yeah, what is feed? What do feeds look like? What do you um, feed them? Is it mom's breast milk?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. we okay. well, it can be mom's breast milk or donor breast milk if mom is okay. not pumping or is unable to, and either that or formula. So. Um, feedings can be by mouth. So we do have babies that eat well and can suck a bottle in five minutes. (laughs) And we have some babies, the preemie babies, especially that are still working on it. So those are babies. We have to give a little bit more attention to take a little Mm -hmm. bit more time where we have to learn to pace them, teach them how to eat. So every few sucks, we can tilt a bottle and that helps with their coordination, learning when to stop and breathe. And so those babies may take a little bit more time. They need a little bit more attention when it comes to feedings. And we do have some babies that um, aren't feeding at all. So babies um, either waiting for surgery, things like that. So those babies Mm -hmm. may not be eating. But we do have some babies that feed through tubes. So we have OG tubes, NG tubes, or G tubes. And we can feed through that as well.
0: I always thought, so I've seen G-tubes for babies and they're like these little buttons. Mm -hmm. Little buttons, yep, exactly. I'm like, why don't we have those in adult? Why do we, why are we, yeah, they're like freaking long, like six to eight inch tubes. And I'm like, this is, and people go home with them and things for for other re- for you know one reason or, no- or another. I'm like, I just can't imagine like trying to unload the dishwasher in this tube <laughs> oh. just being out. You know, like yeah, why do yeah. we have those little buttons? That yeah. would be like somebody needs to come up with that for adults because they're an cute thing. I've never
1: seen an adult, so I don't know. But it is like a little button, and we do have an extension tube where um, you'd prime your feed through that and you put on and then when the feed is over you can just take it off so it is very convenient in that way little button and honestly it is nice because babies will grab at literally everything so if there is a long tube oh they're gonna snatch it with their hands and who knows (laughs) try to pull it out so it right. dangerous.
0: The buttons are nice. <laughs> yeah, they are. I mean, adults do that too. Like if they're, you know, some some of them, like they don't know what they're doing and right. they're disoriented and they just they don't know where their hands are going to go. And mm-hmm. somebody needs to. If somebody's listening, somebody needs to patent that. Yeah,
1: you'll be extremely rich. <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> yes, great right. idea. I want to talk a little bit more about some of the um, complex patients so you were talking about, like. Um, you know, what does a really busy patient look like? Like some of the drips that you Mm -hmm. have or, um, you know, like what makes them, what makes them complex? So I think um, it just, of
1: course, depends on the patient diagnosis, but we have some babies, the preemie patients especially, that have a whole bunch of lines. So typically, they may be intubated, and that is where we give our Mm -hmm. oxygen support to the patient. Um, And so some types of machines we may use is the typical mechanical ventilator, or we use an oscillator. Um, It's a little bit bigger. It's very loud. I think even adult world, you guys use that as well. Um, And so that helps with oxygenation and things like that. Um, Mm. Other things, too, is just tubes, tubes everywhere. So they usually will have an umbilical line. That's usually the first thing we'll place for these patients. And so that's where we give them their IV nutrition, medications. um, And sometimes, if necessary, we may give blood through it as well. Um, so it goes in the umbilical, mm-hmm, it does. Wow. Yep. Okay. So there's a very short time window for you to insert that. So we try to do it immediately after they're born, okay. um, just to prevent any other invasive procedures on them, like IV sure. sticks and stuff like that. So yeah. it's nice. Cause then we can use that as an access, um, to give them nutrition, wow. medications, fluids, and we do monitor their blood pressure continuously with that too, with the, um, umbilical art line. And so, yeah, they have that. They also have an OG maybe um, to help vent them because there is a lot of air being pushed in, and sometimes mm. that can expand their bellies and can be difficult for them to breathe. So they may have an OG yeah. for them to vent. Um, if they're not peeing, we have Foley in them, and they just have all their extra lines like their EKGs and and um, pulse ox and things like that. And we mm. do monitor some patients too. Um, another. Patient that we get often as well are just difficult deliveries or something Mm -hmm. happened to mom where the baby comes out and needs a lot of attention, so we may do cooling on some of these patients. Mm -hmm. Um, And what cooling is really is it helps to stop that temperature. Um, It keeps basically the patient from possibly getting a high infection due to fever and things like that, and so the cooling helps to drop their body temperature. Mm-hmm. We monitor them very closely for that. We may do an EEG on them where we'll put like stickers, leads on their head and helps to monitor for any seizure activity during that time period because mm-hmm. cooling is a very invasive procedure. Of course, imagine your temperature being cooled down to an extremely low temperature. Um, yeah. So we have to monitor and be very careful of any possible seizure activity. But a lot of times patients that are very sick that we are looking out for is just patients that – are very unstable with their fluid management blood pressure medications to help with their blood pressure keeping them stable and that's why we put the umbilical art lines so that we mm-hmm. can continuously monitor and address any situation if they are dropping we can increase their blood pressure medication so they can have drips for that um just constant sure. medication and fluids to help with like if they are losing fluid or if they need to retain any we can help with that as well so mm-hmm. that's usually some complex patients that we get just a lot of yeah. fluid management having to adjust and accommodate for any sort of blood pressure instability sugar levels instability things like mm-hmm.
0: that gotcha yeah to go back on the cooling too i mean we use cooling for you know like post codes if somebody had like a cardiac arrest mm-hmm. then we would normally yeah. um, cool them to a really low temperature to just you know, preserve, um, heart function mm-hmm. really. Yep, exactly. And I think in, yes. also, I think it helps with ICPs intracranial pressures. I want to say if you, mm-hmm. if you cool somebody, unless they're shivering, I think shivering like increases people's ICPs, but if yes, it, it does. But if you keep mm-hmm. it to, uh, you know, I can't remember if it's like, I think it's 32 to 36 degrees Celsius, maybe, but like fevers have an effect on people's ICPs. So like, you know, just Bringing it down. It kind of just, like, keeps everything... Pauses. (laughs) It
1: stops kind of the functioning from preventing it from worsening. Is it the best way I can explain it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's all, I mean, it's all regulated to a certain... Do you put the... Is that through the umbilical as well when you do cooling? Or is it, like, through... Like, how do you cool a baby? So with our cooling, it's more like we keep the babies on
1: a mat. It's like Uh, an ice mat. Okay. Yeah, and so they lay on that, and then we do have probes that monitor their temperature, their um, central temperature. And that way we can see the temperature, and hopefully as they are stable enough, we can increase the temperature back to normal. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so that may take about up to 72 hours or longer, okay. just depending on how unstable that patient was. Gotcha,
0: okay. What are some of the... I would assume that some of those patients are some of the hardest patients to take care of. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Or do you feel like there's like a different type of patients that, that's like a different type of hard?
1: Yeah, that definitely, I, I say if you're thinking critical care, that's like the thing I think of where, you know, a lot of lines, fluids, management, things like that, your patient's intubated. Um, and so those we consider one-to-one patients, yeah. very critical. Yeah. Um, and so we monitor them closely. But I think for some people also difficult patients can mean other things. And that's where it goes back to families. Yeah. Um, yeah. We do have families also, I guess, that people consider difficult. And like I said, it's not one of those things where I consider it to be a difficult, just, they just need more attention, Mm -hmm. more teaching reinforcement, things like that. So we do have times where we will be assigned to families that just need more attention and they need kind of that um, reinforcement learning, education, need a little bit more patience. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it does take a little bit out of our time to be that resource for them. And so sometimes we will accommodate assignments to match that True. level of care for those families that need a little bit more attention. That's really um, nice. If you're yeah, so we will do that sometimes. But a lot of times, I guess, yeah, super sick critical patients is what you would probably think of in your
0: head when you think ICU. What about some of the more enjoyable patients or easier? I guess I'm equating complex with hard and enjoyable with mm-hmm. easy, and that's not always the case. But what are some of the most enjoyable patients for you?
1: enjoyable I think I I don't know I I find every aspect of it enjoyable there are days where I like that crazy hectic busy and it gets me to think I have an adrenaline rush and everything is super fast-paced and I love it Mm -hmm. and there are days where I just I just want to cuddle the baby and so yeah there's times where when I have three patients those can be my busiest nights actually even though they're extremely stable barely even on oxygen all they're doing is working on feeds but yet those days are Super busy for me. Yeah. Um, and it's just really having the patience to feed these babies, do the baths for them. Sometimes the parents are there and they're learning how to breastfeed for the first time and things like that, and working with their preemies to eat. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of teaching on that. And so it does take some time too. So those can be my busier days, but those I think are some of my favorite days just connecting with families and teaching them to do very basic infant care. But mm-hmm. to them, it's a whole new world. And for some people who, you know, don't have babies or their first babies, that this is a different type of learning, especially when it comes to teaching a baby how to eat for the first time, you know, having a fresh brand new infant that can do all these things it's less work in a way i guess because mm. um, you don't have to teach the baby how to do it they kind of have that innate connection in their heads already to know how to but mm. for preemie it is teaching them they actually have to learn all these processes yeah. that can take some time because now you're having to show these parents how to do these things and it is also teaching the baby as well so wow. it can it can take some time to get used to that, but those can be some of my favorite days because I love teaching. I love education. Yeah. Um, and so those are some of my favorite times on the unit where we're just sitting, learning how to feed a bottle
0: to a premium patient. Yeah. And getting told to babies is fun too. <laughs> Sometimes that is, I mean, I think you're totally right in their there are stable doubles that are way more busy than a critical mm-hmm. single because it's like, yeah. you know, you, there's only one place that you have to be with a single. You just can be in there the whole time and you can right, document exactly. the whole time and, mm-hmm. you know, like you'll never get, you know, unless they're like really, really sick and you need like a second person to come in. But, you know, for the most part, like you have a handle on the day and, and like you're in control over, right. you know, all of all of the things that you need to get done. But when you have like two or three, man, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you're it's all tasks and you have to yeah, like get exactly. them all get them all done, especially if you have to like, you know, it's every three hours for you guys. It's mm-hmm. like you have to you know, you're on a time crunch. Yeah.
1: It's sense. like a constant back and forth. Like I go to one room, finish next, next. And it, it can be kind of like a conveyor belt I'm like constantly having to do something every single hour in every room I go to a different room then the next room then the next room and then it's like this back and forth and checking up on my parents like are you doing okay are you doing okay (laughs) and so it can be a little busy in that way but those those are some fun times for me and teaching is a biggest part of it so that's what I enjoy and that's why I find it fun
0: yeah I think I mean I'm in that boat, too, where some of my favorite moments are just having the time to make that difference. Yes. because like not we don't have that all the time, you know, but to yeah. be able to, like, be there for that family member to, like, make sure that they got it to be there for, you know, difficult conversations, to make mm-hmm. sure that they understand what's happening, you know, and just, ha- yeah, having the time to be, like, therapeutic. I think that that is also Like, you know you're making a difference, and you know that you're, like, facilitating this trust between you and the family. And, like, yeah, it's not – you don't get that all the time.
1: Yeah, and that's, like, the biggest part about nursing. And as hard as it can be, there are days where, you know, you are running around like crazy and tasks can become a priority, that it's one of those things that can be overlooked. But those are are the best days, like you mentioned, where we can sit down, talk to them, really connect with families, be a part of – they're milestones. And in the NICU, at least everything, every little thing is a milestone in the NICU. So it's one of those things that we celebrate and it's nice to be a part of that. And that's what makes me love my job and why I want to continue being a part of it, that I get to be the person that helps the parents hold for the very first time, do skin to skin. Or I can be there to help mom and dad change the diaper and they're shaking like crazy and they're so nervous. <laughs> and I'm like, you're doing great. You're doing amazing. Yeah. And they, it helps build confidence. Yeah, And that's what goes back into the nursing all over again, you know, like why you went into this in the first place. And that's mm. what makes it a big difference for me. And yeah. getting to be a part of those shared
0: moments is. What makes it worth it? Do you have any um, patients, like over the years, that you still think about, or like ones, you know, memorable patients or memorable families that that are in your head? Oh yeah, there. I mean, we do care for a lot of babies, and so.
1: There, there are times where I may forget, but we actually at my previous hospital that I worked, we had a picnic every single year, like an annual NICU picnic where graduates would come back and say hello to their favorite nurses. And (laughs) so, I think my most memorable, and I still think about them till this very day, is I had a family that was Spanish speaking only, so. They con- we barely were able to communicate, but we tried our best. Google Translate and mm-hmm. hand miming and all these things. <laughs> um, and my most memorable was on New Year's Eve, I was working and they were there. And the babies, I think, were probably still like t- very small, like 36 weeks or something like that, mm. um, still in the incubator. And the parents really wanted to put on New Year's dresses for the twins and I, I was like yeah let's do it I love one thing I love doing is taking photos and making memories for the parents so I'm actually part of a committee that does like footprint cards every single holiday oh, to make good. it memorable for them and so yeah in that moment I was like I wanted to make it special for them especially because they have to be here on New Year's Eve yeah. and can't be home with their families and they're here for their babies so we dress them all up I gave them baths dress them all up and put them in their outfits and then we took cute photos and we did family pictures and it was just so memorable and then a year later we had that family picnic and they came i totally forgot um because i do care for a lot of patients so my memory yeah. can can be forgetful and they came up to me holding the babies and the dad comes up to me he's trying his best to speak english to me and the mom also came up as well and was like baby, New Year's Eve, remember? And they Uh show me the picture on their phone and I'm just, my heart melted. Oh my god. And the babies were so healthy, they were thriving, and I was like, this this is why I want to be a part of the NICU. This is the journey that I want to be a part of, where... They come back they're healthy and they're thriving and it was just an amazing experience until this day i think about them so much and like i wonder how they're doing and so there are babies that i i do primary a lot i've primary a lot in the past six years so there's patients that i i miss that I, re- I think about and i want to remember those moments and i'm like i really wonder how they're doing so i'm sure there are patients that we all care for often that we think about. And so those are some of those memories where I really want to catch up and see how they're doing.
0: So Yeah. That's, that's an amazing, um, thing that that hospital gave to you guys, because there's so often we have, you know, there's no closed loop, you know, right. like you, you'll mm-hmm. take a, you'll take care of somebody for, you know, six months and then yeah. they'll go to rehab and you'll never hear from them again. And it's right. like, well, I hope that they're okay. I mean, just the fact that, you know, you're able to, like, have a picnic and see all of these big ba- Like, that's just got to make it so fulfilling and oh, satisfying yeah. mm-hmm. for you guys that take care of these tiny little super sick babies. And then see, like, how well they're doing and seeing, like, all of the fruits of your labor, you know. Yeah. F- that's so, oh, I love that. It's so I amazing. love that they and did that.
1: What's even more amazing is that we have had babies, um that come back to these picnics that are now full-fledged adults with their own babies. Wow, and it is amazing. So we have some nurses who've been working for years upon years and they they've been following these families up until the point that now they have their own kids.
0: It is amazing. That's so that's uh that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'm really glad. I want to talk about your itty-bitty guide to the NICU. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how tell me like how that started and, and why you know you created this this guide and um, yeah.
1: yeah, so the itty-bitty guide to NICU was honestly just a passion project that I wanted to do because I was doing a lot of preceptoring. Um mm-hmm. At my previous hospital, we were hiring a lot of new hire new graduate nurses. And when we come in and we are doing a report, you know, of course, I have experience now. So this world is not new to me and I can understand a lot of the terminology. But we're giving a report and I look over at my new grad nurse and she's just completely deer in headlights. Like, <laughs> yeah. what are you saying? Because... Yeah. And I'm sure in every other unit too, that there's just terminology, acronyms. We use a lot of acronyms in NICU that are very hard to understand. Um, For example, like CUS, ECHO. uh, And so there's a lot of terms that a lot of people don't know. And I wanted to create a book that helps to kind of spell it out and make it extremely Mm -hmm. easy to understand for someone who has no idea about this unit at all, completely brand new to it, or just, having a little bit of interest but not really sure if this is something they want to do and Mm -hmm. just having it in a book that is portable easy to carry around so that you can make notes you can add along to it and so at first it was just one of those things i was going to make so that i can hand off to my um orient orientee that i am precepting Mm -hmm. and so it was just going to be a resource like that um and then I was really bored during the pandemic one day and I decided to create that book first. And so I spent an entire week where literally every single day for that week, I was working on this book and I wanted to get it done. And I'm that type of person where once I think of an idea, I have to finish it. So in that week, I got it finished. And then from then on, I was like, maybe I should do something about this and maybe spread it to other people. So that's where I created um, my platforms. I started off with YouTube first and Instagram and YouTube was a learning process for me because I am extremely introverted. I didn't know how to (laughs) put myself out there on social media. And, um, but I knew I wanted to teach and I wanted to create content Mm. and help other people who want to learn more about this unit and this specialty because there is not a lot of resources about it. And I wanted to Mm. teach more about nursing in general. Um, whether it's helping yourself through nursing school or just that really awkward phase of finding that new grad job, learning mm-hmm. um, that beginning portion of starting orientation, you know, I just wanted to be that person that is helping you through every single step and process of that journey in your nursing career. So that's where I created the YouTube channel and then the Instagram, and then I kind of started off from there. And I remember posting my very first post about the book. Um, I shared it to actually one of my cousins. And she said that one of her friends wanted to buy it. So that's she was the very first one um, to buy the book. And I was, I was like, wow, someone actually wants this book. <laughs> um, so I posted it on social media. And I think for the first few months, you know, I get people DMing me here and there asking about it and um, wanting to purchase a book. And so I would just share it, do that. And then I would get more and more people asking me about it to the point that now I started posting it for people if they are interested and I now sold over 400 copies of it in the past year so it's it
0: so incredible it is amazing
1: and I actually do have the book here with me so yeah share please. with you guys the book so this is the itty bitty guide to NICU it is my baby my precious um but yeah it's just this little small resource guide extremely easy to understand. I do have a little bit of drawings in here to make it um just visually appealing as well. But yeah, I wanted it portable, so like literally the size of my hand, I can carry along cuz I just wished I had something like that when I started out or at least someone to yeah. guide me about this world because I literally did not even know this unit even existed to be honest. <laughs> Um, I didn't know there was a unit specific to babies at all. So, when I did my maternity rotation, that was my first taste of it. I was like, wow, yeah there is a unit only dedicated to babies. I can't believe it. Because I knew in my head I wanted pediatrics, I wanted to work with kids, but I never knew that yeah. it can go even smaller than that and go way more in debt with babies. And so, I wanted to be a part of that. And that's mm-hmm. where it all started for me. And that's where I am now that I just literally cannot imagine myself in any other unit. Um, the adult world is a little bit intimidating for me, a little scary. I think I, I can do fine and I can thrive well, but I, I feel a lot of love and passion for this unit so much that I wanted to share more. And it really inspires me and encourages me to continue doing this when I get people messaging me that they wanted to do NICU or this is something they want to pursue and that I've helped them on their journey or inspired them in some kind of way. And so I started doing the mentorship program where, um, I do one-on-one sessions based on your needs so I can do teaching you about NICU and we can do a session where we just talk all about NICU and basics and all the diagnosis and how to care for an infant in the NICU and things like that or we can talk about um, your new grad journey and landing that new grad job needing help with interview tips and things like that resume cover letters all of that that's awesome so Um, it's more
0: it's also like you know just being a new grad and like, yeah, moving through right. you know, that first year and getting your feet wet and Yeah, exactly,
1: because I didn't have that. You know, when I started out, yeah. I was trying to figure it out and I didn't know about this whole process of applying for jobs and how this all works, and I wish I had someone to kind of guide me or at least make me feel that I'm not alone and that I I can do this. So I, I mm-hmm. honestly felt very alone when I was starting out. I wasn't know, sure and didn't know where to start. So now YouTube is a huge platform now, and Instagram as well, and a whole lot of knowledge is being shared by other people um, about nursing. And so I wanted to help contribute to that and also help people feel that if they need anyone, someone, that I can be there to help them on any step of their journey. So I do follow people for a month, two months. And ask me anything about, yeah, that whole process that we're aquaport or even if you are in nursing school and you need help and asking someone just very basic questions. Because um, one thing I am very passionate about, too, is mentoring. And back in my university, um, I started a mentorship program where we kind of connected students, someone who is a little bit hammered up, has more experience and a fresh brand new student that needed a little bit more resource and support and kind of connect the two together and that way there's someone that you can talk to about anything like what should I wear to clinicals or what should I bring you know very basic questions you don't want to ask and bug your professor for so it's kind of like a friendship and mentorship yeah. as well and the combination is can help a lot of nurses feel more confident with themselves and so I wanted to continue building that with my community so that's yeah. something I also offer as well and it's makes me feel fulfilled that I help other people in their journey and landing the new grad jobs. And whenever I get emails or DMs telling me like, you've helped me land my new grad job or my dream job, or I finally got my job in the NICU, it's just one of those things that truly touches me and it keeps me going. And that's why I still do this.
0: Yeah. Well, you certainly have a knack for it too. I mean, yeah, that your presence is definitely needed in that space. And I think that there's so many people like leaving, doing, you know, what they, and finding something else. And, and there, there is a real strength to somebody that has, you know, stuck it out in one specialty for a long time. And like being that wealth of knowledge and not just knowledge for your own hospital, but knowledge for like this huge, you know, um, you know base of people i mean the fact that you're available on youtube and instagram and you know TikTok and just your your reach has extended so much more by being in that space instead of just being you know and strictly in your one in your one facility right. so yeah. it's amazing what you've been able to accomplish Thank in the you. last like you year year and a half like over the pandemic
1: yeah it's been amazing to see the growth because I never knew anything about this specialty, so I, I didn't know that there were people interested in it as well. So when this little tiny community started going bigger and bigger and people were telling me that, thank you so much for sharing about NICU, that I realized that there are actually a lot of people that do want to join this specialty. I thought it was just me in this little small little bubble um, <laughs> that was super passionate about this specialty, and I didn't realize that there are more, and there are so much more people out there who want to learn more or are very bit interested about the specialty, but don't really know much about it and so that's why I created the resources and um YouTube channel to share more about it so it's been amazing to see the impact um of just how much NICU has reached into the heart of other people and wanting to be that person to help share more about it so
0: yeah Well, just let's plug your social media and where can people find you? Where can people buy the book? Okay, so the book is more
1: of an on-demand thing. And if you are interested, please check out my Instagram page. I do update way more on there. Um, So it's at Nikki Nurse Tiff. And ICU Nurse Tiff, as you can see behind me, it is right there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I do share about updates on this book and when it is re-released, it is really based off of your interests and if you really want it, so please make sure to check it out. You can also follow me on YouTube as well. I do share a lot of resources there. I love teaching about NICU and skills especially, um, and I do teach about nursing just in general, whether it's planning... And applying for jobs or doing clinicals or nursing school, literally everything under the sun. Um, I'm trying my best to cover those topics for you guys to reach every person out there not just people who want to do NICU, but just any journey, any part of your nursing journey. Um, You can check out my YouTube channel as well. So at NICU Nurse Tiff, if you search it up on YouTube, you should be able to find me and TikTok I'm still delving into. So it's also at NICU Nurse Tiff as well. And um, yeah, those are my social media platforms. So please make sure you check me out.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about all things Nikki today. It was great to talk to you. And um, yeah, thank you we so much. will talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in to Nursing Uncharted. To learn more about today's episode, make sure to explore the show notes at AmericanMobile.com nursinguncharted Uncharted. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a guest. If you're a nurse interested in traveling, visit AmericanMobile.com to explore the largest database of travel nursing jobs in the industry and the amazing benefits that American Mobile has to offer. Also, a special thanks to producer Jonathan Carey, assistant producers Katie Schrauben and Sam McKay, and Aiden Dykes for the music and editing. Until next time, take care of yourself.